Welcome back to the Unending TBR podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I am joined with a fellow reader as we discuss one of our favorite hero types. Thank you for being here for our season finale episode. I am back today with Joanne from The Well-Read Coffee Addict, and she is here, and we're going to try and talk about one of our favorite, like, hero types. And I think it goes under like several different names. Some people call them like alpha male character heroes. You call them, what, what's your definition, Joanne? I actually have a different, like um, I call them masculine heroes. And okay. for me, it's different between the masculine heroes and the alpha type heroes. Okay, because so what, why don't you define yours? Okay, well, for me, a masculine hero is, um, he is, um, he's strong, not just physically, but mentally. He's not easily influenced or swayed by outside forces or people. You know, he's quite mature. He knows what yeah. he wants and he's willing to go after it. Um, he's ambitious. He has a goal and he wants to, you know, work for it. He's working towards something, he's driven. He's a natural leader, um, honorable and respectable. You know, he has those qualities. You can depend on him. Mm -hmm. And he's also um, willing to protect. He wants to protect his own. You know, he's going to do anything to protect his own, whether it's his family, you know, whatever it may be. Um, And yeah, he's, he has something in mind and he wants something and he's not afraid to chase after it. That's oh, that kind wraps of. up that episode. I think that sounds great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and I feel like, um, I think that those are great. I think those are the really the characters that we want, well, me personally. Um, I love seeing in fictional stories. I feel like in some ways that that has been looped in, like yours were like really, your definition, like really those positive traits of it. And I feel like in some way though, that type of character is also like looped into just the simple alpha male category where sometimes that label gets a bad rap I feel because um, there's also negative connotations to that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. label. And my idea is that in some things, like if we come at this, it's like looking at it every character type has kind of like your flaws that you have to work through so that's kind of like sometimes the negative side of how that character is perceived is that just the manifestation of the negative character traits so if that makes sense so yeah and it's like I feel it's like well in in any like even if you have a one like a male character who's not super protective or, or not super driven, his character flaw, where I think there's room in, there's room in fiction for all types of character personality traits to be, you know, stories. Because no two people are the same. If everybody's cookie cutter, that's going to get boring. But I feel like when you have your, I really enjoy my main hero, hero being heroic. And that can look different for different, personality types but if you look at the other personality types just because they don't have the those negative connotations 
they could also be looked at as kind of as cowardly. That could be the other side of their character flaw for that personality type. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't, there's been so, I feel like such a move socially to go away from that and only embrace one personality type that we're now not seeing Mm-hmm. We're not seeing the negative side, but we're also not seeing the positive side of what that personality type can be. Mm-hmm. So what, what's like an example that you feel does this character type well? Well, I would have to go to Karen Winnemeyer because she does this character type very well. Yeah. And she also does the opposite, I have to say. Um, she, she is getting very, she's very versatile. Yes. So um the main example I have is Matthew Hanger from At Love's Command. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an ex-cavalry soldier. He's done things in the past that he's not proud of, and he still bears the guilt from that. He's still hanging on to the guilt from that, um, but he is working to overcome that. So he forms his band of men, the horsemen, whatever, and they strive to defend the innocent and to make sure justice is done. Um, so yeah, he, he really has a um, sense of duty and he wants to make up for whatever happened in the past. And he's constantly, you know, trying to grow and um, definitely willing to protect and fight for his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knows what he wants. And if that meant a certain lady doctor, he's willing to go after her. But yeah, so that's like the main guy I have in my head. Um, yeah, and I feel like, especially with like, and then because we're we're probably going to be talking mostly romance here, especially it's like, I feel like there's there is a lot of push to you know to change up the damsel in distress type trope there you know, which you know, it's good to try new things, but. I also feel like in some in some cases, you have had a thing where it's like, well, I want to make my heroine strong, so I'm going to make the hero, the masculine figure, weaker or not as involved. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we lose so much with that because I feel like when you have a strong female, just because she's like making the hero not capable or not protective doesn't make the heroine necessarily stronger she just has to do a lot more work (laughs) and And it's so true I've noticed and not that it's a bad thing that we have strong females I like seeing that but a lot of times the male character gets delegated to like a sidekick and he's he's just the main character because he's the main character and because they have to end up together in the end yeah, and it's just like, and even it, it, it almost turns into like the like the early two thousands teenage movie trope. It's like it's the hot guy who's into you, and he's the one that you want or whatever. And it's like, I I like to see it like where they're both strong personalities. They both have their their flaws, their weaknesses, their strengths, and to work towards that together. Because I think if you have two strong personalities, you're gonna like create some very interesting dynamics because they're both strong they're both driven they both get what you're going to have your conflict a lot higher 
if they're if they both have something to bring to the table my mm-hmm. opinion so definitely um Okay, here's an example that I'm going to bring is Connie Lynn Cassette's A Light on the Hill. Her I have that on my list. <laughs> <laughs> There's like quite a few Connie Lynn Cassette books that um, it would do. But this one was Derek, of course. And he was just such an interesting character. He's through the whole series. I loved seeing him every instance that he was in on the page. And it's interesting because you never get his print point of view perspective but he was such a dynamic character mm-hmm. that it shone through you almost didn't like she wrote it so well that you never felt like you missed anything and you have um Mariah who she's not like a she's not the super like like forceful in your face but she's strong in her own ways so it's like she gives that balance to Derek that is just a really unique interesting play on him being a very very driven very protective and seeing how with all the turmoil that they have gone through in their story when he does step into protector perfection (laughs) and you can see the whole time he has such a sense of justice like he wants justice done even if that means you know at the end you know if he has to betray his brother or he has to betray Mariah. Um, and it's, I found it very interesting that it became sort of a conflict for him. The idea of like, cause he was so strongly like, okay, justice yeah. has to be done, but what about mercy? And he had to yeah. fight with that with himself throughout the course of the story. I found that so interesting. And that we see that from Mariah and not, cause we don't have his perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. It's very but dynamic. It's like- I feel like it's like everything that he does in there is very much with purpose. Like all, all it's all the little things that build up yeah. and you get to see his conflict. You get to see him struggle with where his strengths are also part of his weakness and part of his journey. Yeah, just done. Derek is always a good idea. And I feel like that's what makes it so like, it makes it incredibly entertaining, incredibly engaging to see that struggle. And that's why I think it's like having those really strong um, male influence in the story brings so much. Mm-hmm. Because she can do a lot on her own. Like she's a natural healer. Yeah. So she does that a cure thing, like wound, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But I mean, he had such a, a major skill set because he was a warrior. Yep. Um, I believe he was on the surveying team or something like that, but so he had a huge skill set, and it would have been really sad if all we did was focus on Mariah and her strengths and you didn't see that so much of Derek. I also feel each other was so interesting. Okay. You brought up an interesting thing as I just thought of it. I wonder if that's sometimes why we love romance too so much, because it's like, you don't just have one skill set, one perspective, one goal in mind, um, you get those both. You get the the polar opposite sometimes the and then how it gets to I did not plan on this, so that's not coming out right. But you get to see those very different personalities coming together and then and how they can work together in the end. Maybe yes. I'll leave it at that. But <laughs> 
but that reminds me of um i've only read the first book in this series but cast the first stone i think yeah the whole rembrandt stone series um the dynamic between rem and eve was mm-hmm. incredible because they are yep. both strong they're both like solid in their careers and they're both driven yeah but just the way they play off of each other they had such an amazing relationship um yep. And Eve wasn't, you know, she wasn't just, you know, focused on pushing her career, but she wanted to support Rem in his career as well. Like she was using her strengths to support Rem. And I thought that was such an interesting um, dynamic that you don't see very often, I think, that I haven't seen anyways in a lot of fiction, Christian not. Yeah. Well, in in so many things, it's like the dilemma, which every book has to have, like the dilemma is like, will they, won't they, who will choose what, who will give up what. They often make it either or. Either this person gets this career or this person gets this career. So it's like they have to decide, which I mean, it's a storytelling that's a storytelling like device. But what I do love about that series is how they do manage to make it work and blend together. And I feel like, oh, I love, I love, love, love seeing um, characters supporting each other in the way that it's like, it's not me versus you. It's let's work together. I I feel like that team player, not so much playing off of different genders or something like that. Like, it's like, you're my enemy because you're on the other side is like, how can we work together and bring both of our skill sets, both of our perspectives, our personalities and do this for the good. And, and I feel like that should be more. I mean, I actually did not have Rembrandt book because I feel like I'm always talking about it. <laughs> so that is one thing that I love about it. Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a good point too about how both sides kind of make it a gender thing. And yeah. I feel like that's something that you're always arguing, you know, whether you're, you know, more maybe on the conservative side, you know, there has to be specific gender roles, but then you have the more modern side and no, it has to be the opposite, but it's great when you see like, okay, let's put aside the genders. You are your own person. I am my own person. Let's work together towards something yeah. regardless of, you know, genders. Like don't, don't limit yourself that way. Yeah. And I feel like, and maybe I was like, kind of like weird. I did, I did not like at growing up, I didn't even notice like which gender was playing which character. I enjoyed characters for themselves based on what I liked about them, based on their values, based on their commitment, their, what they put value, what they did for their teammates, really regardless of gender. That's how I was growing up. I didn't need to have the female character do such and such, but that, I know that that's me. I'm probably (laughs) weird, but even in books, even in fiction, I feel like you should be able to have a perspective of somebody that's not like you, that you can do special ops, you can do biblical fiction, you can do something in a fantasy world where you don't have the same experiences, but you get to see their perspective. Yes. Yeah, because everyone is so different, right? We're not cookie cutters, like you said. We all have a mix of traits, whether they're more feminine or masculine, and that's for everybody, regardless of gender. So yeah, it's nice to see that. Um, yeah, with even Rembrandt, how they could work together. And it wasn't a fight between who did what, you know? Yeah. It wasn't more of like, hey, you, I don't know, you wash the dishes since you're the woman or whatever, right? It was like, okay, let's let's tackle these things together. 
yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't have that. But I feel like that was kind of refreshing that that wasn't really an, it didn't, it wasn't even an issue. Like mm -hmm. sometimes, and maybe this is going to sound a little bit like a hot take, but sometimes we don't want to listen. Sometimes we don't want to listen to what's blasted so much across the media and other media and entertainment outlets you already get like a lot of that. You got, it's like, oh, women were oppressed in this generation. Women were oppressed in that. You have different, like the divides. And if that becomes the whole motivation and point of the story, I don't know. To me, I'm, I'm coming to fiction for entertainment and yes, uplifting and, and to learn something. But if that's what it is like recycled over and over to me it's becoming redundant yeah and and I think know. that's also you know um maybe another sort of hot take but you know our western culture is so um we have such great opportunities now regardless of what gender you are that there's still so many countries third world countries you know where women really are you know oppressed and that yeah you know, it's horrible and everything but we don't really have that, you know, in those huge, to that degree in mm. our Western countries. So to see it over and over again in, in fiction is a little bit, well, haven't we been over that already, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I don't know if it's just like the trend that seems to be going through fiction. And if that's just not my taste, you know, it's not my taste. And if that is somebody's personal taste, you know, you know, I get it because they're trying to I don't know, stay true to the history and give their perspective, but I would like to see a little bit of the balance. And I feel like sometimes if you're trying to just use a book to push a certain message, sometimes a story can get lost because you, you want to love the characters in it, me personally. And I feel like I'm going to, I don't know if you've read them. Have you read Ron, you read Ronnie Kendig's? Yes, I have talks on my list. Okay. Because I feel masculine heroes, Ronnie Kendig nails them every single time. Um, the Tox Files, definitely a great example. And yeah, the three book series that follows one main hero and his stuff. It's like just how devoted he is to being both that pursuer of justice that strong stand up for his teammates and the people he loves and cares for takes under his wing and it's like it's that great balance because it's not it's a male character written by a woman but he's not he he does feel like a guy's guy and yes um she writes that military perspective like so well you just feel and it's very very um like rapid fire like stuff is happening and people are like oh my goodness we were doing this thing on this page you turn it over and they're over here doing this it's like you know what you just gotta roll with it because from one page to another, they're in two different countries <laughs> yes and you're like if you try to like hold on too much and like factor in tra um travel time you'll get whiplash i'll just tell you you That's will like get over it. the first couple of chapters. I was like, whoa, 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 this is going fast. But <laughs> yeah, you can't like hold on to all the details because yeah, no. you definitely get whiplash. No. You'll probably be lost. Yes. 
you you will and so it was like I remember it was like when I when you learn to like read her because she has a very unique voice and it's like just hold on for the roller coaster so yeah talks is always a good example and um same thing with her Metcalf, like really all of hers, like they all really are the embodiment of that, that warrior kind of spirit, that type of character. And I, I was totally, I'm totally there for it because you, you get to see their struggles too, their weaknesses. Yes, they have their, they do their jobs, but it's like, she has such interesting backgrounds to different ones and different perspectives. And she puts them in I was listening to one of her lives and she says how she does not baby her characters. Like she will put them through the ringer. And that she is does. Sure. <laughs> she is like, sometimes you're like, oh my goodness, how are they going to live? Well, <laughs> how are they going to get through this? And yes, I know. And sometimes you're just like, oh, can you really hit them any harder? And then she does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I love that. And I love what she has brought to Christian fiction because it's like, she just has that high octane intensity that is so, I think like I'm an action movie lover. And I feel like she brings that rapid fire action intensity to her books of what I love from the movies. So I would love to I'm see the Tox files on screen. Although I don't know if I could handle it. I but know, right? I would I love to say like free. this would this would make an epic thing. But then I'm like, yeah, but that I've seen adaptations and I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> to be fair, I've always been a strong um the book is always better than the movie. So my brothers and I were talking this is the book better than the movie when you read the book first? Or if you fall in love with the movie first, does that become better? We were talking about that. That was like the discussion. Interesting. I'm going to think about that one now. Because it's like, because I've watched movies based off of classics when I was, and I, and I really enjoyed the movie. I mean, yeah, sometimes I've read the book, but it's like sometimes how they condense the classics into a movie presentation grabbed my attention more than if I had at that same time read the classic. So... <laughs> But to be fair, a lot of these classics were less pleasure reading and more yeah. social commentaries, if you think of Jane Austen in particular. Yeah. So sometimes, like, I have to admit, I will say Pride and Prejudice, the 2005 version, was better than the book because the book bored me. <laughs> I actually, like, listened to the book in audio format, and I actually enjoyed it because in my mind, in my mind's eye, the movie was playing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try that. Because so I, I try true confession I have never read the full book yet because I just can't I put it on like I think two times speed but the movie characters were like saying the parts in my head so that I'm like okay I can get behind this because I have the visual that did entertain me so yeah that's a whole okay let's talk I was actually gonna think Mr. Darcy is actually an interesting example because he's like, in so many things, it's like he was a character who was a strong male with a strong female character as well. Mm -hmm. And how his character grew through his own flaws. I was just mm -hmm. thinking of that. That's a how good point like, because 
I was thinking about Darcy and I was wondering, would I classify him as masculine or not? But like he was very himself. Like he was such a um he was in his head a lot. And you can he see that introverted. Yes. He didn't like really know how to interact outside it because he was so, so in his head, he didn't know socially how to act. Um and then he gets Elizabeth Bennett, who has no filter and says what she thinks. And that's so different for him because he's used to all these people who are saying things because they want something from him. Yeah. So that was, yeah, their relationship is very interesting because they definitely have the strong versus strong against each other for the beginning. So my perspective also, yeah, strong, Lizzie is strong, Darcy is strong, but also if you think of it, um, the Wickham character is also a strong male character, but he's the negative connotations to that personality straight where he is out for himself. He doesn't care. He wants to get what he wants to get, but he doesn't care who he crushes or mains in his, his wake. He's the more manipulative side, the arrogant, the boastful, everything that you think of when you think of like, oh, the, the strong male character, but he's the ant, like the bad side of it. So I almost feel like Darcy and Wickham are the polar opposite of each other, where Darcy goes to protect his sister. And um, he goes out and even if he's doing the gesture He's, he'll do stuff more behind the scenes, not drawing attention to himself in order to help those that he's protecting. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's, that's my so take true. on Jane Austen was really onto something, eh? Which, Every character of hers is, you know, either it's the foil of this character or whatever, and they all had a meaning behind them. Yeah. It's really interesting how it's like, how so many years ago she, she wrote these characters and we're still like examining them and seeing how like what really makes them so entertaining what makes them stand the test of time and yeah, we're still getting lessons from them yeah mr collins is in no way a masculine type <laughs> there is an example how not to write a masculine <laughs> But I mean, okay, think of it. What do we not like about him? Let's like go here. It's like, we don't like it because he doesn't stand up for himself. Yes. You know, it's all about what, and this is something that you don't get in the movie um, that you did is like when the stuff all falls apart for the Bennets, Mr. Collins writes them a letter like, well, I'm sure glad I didn't associate myself with you. And it was just like, He's so about like, he's more worried about what other people think of him. Than and his relationship with, what's her name? Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Like he's yeah. so dependent on her approval of him yeah. that he's willing to do anything for her. Like mm -hmm. he has no spine when it comes to her. Yeah. And it's like, no, he does not stand up for what he, he doesn't have his own like value system. It's just about what he appear, he thinks the betters will think of him. Yes. And I feel like that's a lesson probably in of itself. Yeah. And also we just don't like him because he's after Lizzie. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. But the same actor who played him in, um, 
in the Pride and Prejudice 2005, he also played in um, Dr. Thorne. I don't know if you've seen it. It's another historical period. Dr. Okay. Thorne? So Dr. Thorne, that's another one based off of a book. And he plays a doc, the same actor who played Mr. Collins plays this other guy, Dr. Thorne. And he is like a little bit quite, like he's not super for presenting himself, but he's incredibly protective of his own. And he does stand up to the people around him. And it was just really interesting to see that act, same person where I feel sometimes what people stand for and how they're um, presenting themselves and their confidence level, what they stand up for, make such a difference on how we'll perceive them as a person. Mm -hmm. Like look, looks aside, stature aside, height aside, he is a great character and a great protective hero by what he does, not what he looks like. So interesting. Another hot time. So yeah. And I think it was also interesting how you said it's like they need to be leaders. Um, I do love Susan May Warren's heroes that are leaders. Um, Ford is an example in her Montana Marshalls. Um, Ranger in her more, more recent book, Sunburst. Um, I love it when the hero takes initiative in both the plot and the relationship. Because mm -hmm. I've seen quite a few, and I mean, they have been enjoyable, but if, again, if the heroine is doing everything, <laughs> even in the relationship, showing interest and stuff like that, to me, it's like, it's not as enjoyable as if the hero is doing heroic things, even if it's they don't have to be huge gestures. It's not about big material things. It's about taking initiative in pursuing yeah. the relationship. Um, Jenny B. Jones did a clean romantic comedy, um, Sweet Right Here. Really, there's some great lines about the hero taking the initiative and pursuing the heroine that were just like gold. It's what I wanted to read at that time because yes. <laughs> No, but that's so true because I guess that goes also back again to, you know, how we have such a, um, we have a lot of books with a strong female and she's always yep. doing these things. And sometimes yep. the male is just kind of coming along for the ride. Yeah. I want to see him going out and doing stuff just because he can, you know? Yeah. Not because yeah. he's being told to do something, but just because he can. Yeah. And it and doesn't I, have to be big. You, you want know? to see him bringing something to the relationship. Like great if the heroine is, is good and I think the individual the characters as individuals shouldn't be dependent on one or another to complete them mm -hmm. I think they should be how God made them on their own but they go better even together because of teamwork so yeah. and that's where it's like I would like to see a little bit more of that balance I'd like to see a more resurgence of that strong hero with that because I think it's, it's all about balance Exactly. No, I actually, I heard a while ago, this, this metaphor, it's like a triangle. Um, God is at the top. Then yeah. The man is on one corner and the woman's on the other corner and together it's perfect. You know, you yeah. can triangle or whatever. Um, so I love seeing that more and more in Christian fiction or in fiction, whatever, where it's just, um, everyone has a purpose and they're living exactly yeah. how they're supposed to, but they're better 
mm-hmm. altogether. Yeah. And I feel like, again, Jane Austen wrote those books like how long ago? And they're still valued today. I mean, to me, trends will come and go. Um, popular opinion will come and go of which gender is like at the top of the food chain or whatever. But I feel like if you really think of it, it's like stories, like what do people enjoy reading? Not just what story is being, is popular to be told mm-hmm. because exactly. yeah, I don't know. I, and it's like, I think that there's room for both. I do, I do. I think that there's room for all different types of that, but I don't think we should mix it completely out of that. And it's like, and that's kind of a fun thing to see about all these indie authors that are coming into the sieges. They're kind of, I'm seeing a lot more of the, the resurrection of those type of characters, almost more in the indie publishing and self-published authors that I am seeing them in more of the traditionally published authors. Because I feel like it's almost like because of publishing takes so long, it's almost like there's like a year backlog of like stuff that was going on a year ago, very popular, popular culture is now coming out. Yes. I don't know. And then part of me is like, am I like this? Because sometimes I just want to break from it. <laughs> yes. Well, it goes, you know, back to like, is it a timeless book? You know, sometimes, yeah. like you said, you kind of get over the popular topic and sometimes you just, you know, you want to read to escape all of that. Yeah. And then when you get a book, you know, maybe a year or two later that it talks about it again. Like I personally think a little, you know, I'm a little less enthused to pick it up because I'm like, do I want to go over it again? Or yeah. not that they're not important books to talk about either. Yeah. Sometimes you get, you're kind of over it and you want something different. Yeah. And it's like, I think, yeah. I, I thought it's interesting you're bringing up indie publishers because I, before Bookstagram, I had no idea any of these authors, you know, existed. Yeah. But since I've been following like you specifically and a couple other people, I'm like, wow, there's so many people writing incredible books I had no idea about. And yeah. of course, and like you said, like they can publish them maybe a little bit quicker. So you kind of read about those sort maybe topics in their books and then it's over and they keep going with, you know, the next thing. Yeah. And something else, or they're kind of going, they're not following the stuff because, I mean, think of all the manuscripts that those publishers have to go through. And I'm wondering, yeah. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It's like, are these things, are they, they hot topic now? So they are getting published, but then it's like, then what's happening? the indie publishing, it's interesting because you're getting it more direct just from the writer mm-hmm. and they don't have to follow all the same steps to get their story out. They're writing what they want and they don't have right. maybe a critique. So it's like, it's, it's an interesting development. And I was even talking to my brothers about like how indie movies, I feel, and movies that are going directly to streaming services. It's almost like how self-publishing is now is like, are even movie theaters not gonna be going through the big name Hollywood producers they're going to be more almost kind of like how self-publishing books are coming out now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's probably another rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also interesting that you brought up the tradition, uh, traditional versus self-publishing. As I yeah. think when you look at it from a traditional publisher's point of view, of course, they have to look at what sells. Yeah. Like their main goal, right? So it doesn't yeah. matter what, 
well, it does, but it doesn't necessarily matter what the author's writing about. They have to look at what sells. So sometimes, yeah. you know, some you have to include in your book something that's, you know, a popular topic because you know it's going to reach more people because that's what's selling right now. Whereas indie yeah. authors don't necessarily have that, um, that boundary on them mm-hmm. where they can just, because they're publishing it themselves, right? They yeah. Usually, yeah, they can write what they want and they don't necessarily have certain constraints on them where you know you have to include this or you can't include that yeah and that's why I think it's becoming such a bigger movement now yeah and that has been um something that's really fun um Sarah Blackard is one um Tara Grace Erickson is another and it's just like it even Pepper Basham wrote for like smaller house publishing Susan L. Tuttle is another one. I mean, there's like, there's a lot. And now you have even authors that like Susan A. Warren did it where she wrote she, and she still is writing for big traditional publishing, but she's also going indie for some of her other stuff. Like the, the Marshall series was indie. And I thought it was like, great. Yeah, of course it did. <laughs> Ford, but, um, but, and even the, the Rembrandt series, it's like, I feel like it, it, it's bringing out so many opportunities for a little bit of that Pastor Turner and a little bit shorter books, which is okay sometimes I feel because it's like, sometimes you got a short attention span and you want something fast. Yes. And I do love that out about it. Um, Tamara Lay is uh, another example is she went she went indie and she's been indie for like 10 years. Her, her medievals are a little on the steamier side of clean. I call it they're clean fade to black, but it is like more intense, like topics where you really do feel. And she does talk about the issues in medieval Europe and stuff like that. But it's like, she's been indie for a long time. And I don't know. I, I feel like it, I feel like it works and I feel like, yeah, you may not have the reach, but I so appreciate indie, Mm -hmm. indie authors. I really do. So do you have any other points that you want to share about this? Anything in concluding thoughts? Um, I have one more example. Okay, go for it. That is Becky Wade's Porter Brothers series and specifically Bo Porter. Mm-hmm. I was debating whether or not to talk about Bo or Jake, but I always talk about Jake. So <laughs> thought Bo needed a, a little bit of a screen time this time. But um, he was like running this ranch for this man who passes away and then his daughter has to come back and, you know, She's taking care of it and she decides she wants to sell it. And of course he and his brothers, they don't want it to be sold, but, um, and he's starting this relationship with her, not necessarily a relationship, but more of a friendship. And they have this attraction between them. And I thought it was interesting where he could so easily use that attraction and that friendship to influence her and to sway her decision. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, he steps back and says, God will work it out how it's supposed to, you know? And I thought that was such a, um, also a great quality because he's, um, he's a cowboy, he's ex-Marine, 
you know, yep. classic masculine man, but he also is so respectable. And I think Meg even says herself, like he's so ethical. I think she used the word, yeah. um, because she knows she can trust him and he's not going to do whatever he can. He's not ruthless. He's not going to try and force her to make a decision that she doesn't want to. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was also a great example. You know, that, that makes a lot of sense because it's like, yes, he is a strong male coach, but he has like control over it. And I feel like mm -hmm. that's sometimes what's really attractive about this. And it's like, and the positive side of the alpha or the, of the masculine is also, they know not to abuse their power mm -hmm. because to me, I was, this was in my other notes that I lost. Um, I feel like any abuse of power um, you know, is negative, is toxic, regardless of what gender it's coming from. You have, you can have the male, like where the alpha male connotation, it gets equivalented with a lot of other stuff and in many times negative, but is that the abuse of their power? Um, and then that's assimilated with that um, personality type. Like in the same thing is like, you can have masculine toxin toxicity where they use their power and their influence to the negative the harmful side in the same way you can have feminine toxicity where they're using their power and their influence for the negative so it's like it's really one is not more or less they they have power in different fields and any abuse of that is negative and and should be shown that way I think exactly but I think we should be able to celebrate the positive <laughs> absolutely because we love those masculine heroes <laughs> like, it's actually hard like narrowing it down it's like okay which one of these books isn't <laughs> I know and I was gonna say also because Karen Wittemeyer I told I said um she writes the masculine men very well but they're not mm -hmm. all these like tough soldier guys like in the yeah uh, i think it's heart on the line yeah it's about this um his name is amos i can't remember exactly what he does but he's more he's a telegraph operator yes that's what it was yeah. so it's not like your typical you know soldier or marine or anything but he still is you know very strong and masculine in his own right it's just and yeah. that's actually um something that gets talked about it's part of his storyline throughout the book mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say too much because I don't remember yeah. exactly what spoiler no, or not, but I feel like Pepper Basham also um, writes really good. She writes both. Um, I don't know that she's had ever had like ex-military. So she tends to be like, she has characters that are, oh, well, she does have like a guy who's like a farmer, like lumberjack Reese, which is, which is one of my favorites, but um but she also does characters that are though, though they aren't always the typical type heroes in her latest one, um, Authentically Izzy. They can still be a hero and do stuff and take the initiative and be a really good um, leadership and supportive and all the good things um, while being their own their own type of leader and character. And it, that's gonna look so different. You know, it's gonna look different in a military suspense than it will look in a rom-com or historical. You know, it's like, there's so many different mm -hmm, ways sure. that that can come out, so.
like Dr. Thorne versus Mr. Collins. (laughs) (laughs) But that's putting uh, that's putting Mr. Collins into the masculine category, which well, no, but I'm just saying it's like the same, the same like person's physical attributes really don't like matter. What I'm saying is like, it's more about what they decide to do with their influence oh, and power. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So clarification. No, no. <laughs> we already established that. Wait a second. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for talking with me. This has been great. It feels so cathartic to be able to say it too. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I hope to be able to talk in the future. All right. Thank you. If you want to follow Joanne and her reviews and her Instagram, you can see, find her at the well-read coffee addict on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any comments or further suggestions, you can always go onto my Instagram page. I have a Google Doc there. You can fill that in and have your input. Thank you for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.